Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Momming Well Muslim, a podcast designed with the Muslim American parent in mind, addressing how to raise Muslim American kids born into a post 9 11 world. We will cover topics ranging from potty training to politics, and no topic is off limits. Along with our expert guests, we'll discuss what's new in the Muslim American diaspora or just what's new at our own kitchen tables. Join us, Zeba Hassan, Nozma Jaffrey, who have a combined eight kids and 25 years of parenting experience, as well as just enough crazy between them while they pioneer this journey we call Momming Wall Muslim. Another episode of Mommy Well Muslim podcast with your co-host Zeba Hassan and Ozma Jaffrey. This is Ozma. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Zeba's not going to say salam because we had to divide and conquer this week and um, accomplish some of these interviews separately, just based on schedules. Because when you got three people, usually in three different time zones, this is how it's going to fly. So I'm super stoked today to have with us Confessions of a Muslim Mamaholic, which Woo-hoo. has become, for the past several years, Confessions of a Muslim Mom. Saira <laughs> uh, <laughs> Siddiqui is here today. Saira, do you want to say hello to everybody? Hey, Salaam everybody. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, it's only taken me like seven months to convince you to come on, so I'm super, <laughs> hey, man, that's super part, excited. <laughs> that's part of the behind the scenes. <laughs> No, no. Yes. We tried our best. We tried our best. I think seven months is good. Seven months is good? Okay. So I feel really vindicated. And that's like, that's like with me being friends with her, by the way, audience. (laughs) (laughs) That actually might count against you, you know? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. We had that girls trip that failed. (laughs) You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because that, Uh the story of that girl trip is, um, Uh how the reboot came to be. So I actually tell the story a lot, but I've never mentioned your name. But for everybody oh, okay, everybody okay. who knows the story, Uzma was the friend who came to New York when everybody else kind of... <laughs> Bailed on it. Yeah. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, you know, like blessings and small things. That, that was how the reboot was born, alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good things came out of, uh, out of that trip. But today we're talking about um, one of your specialties and for you know people living under a rock or maybe people who aren't on Facebook or Instagram who don't know maybe you want to tell people what your background is before we jump into educating Muslim kids because um, that's a passion that both of us have but maybe people don't know why you are specifically qualified for this. Okay, so my background is in education. I did my undergrad and my grad uh, school, my master's um, in education um, across all content areas and also uh, with a specific focus in early childhood education. Um, that was that was really important to me at one time. Um, then I got married. Well, then I worked for several years. I worked in the private sector. I worked in public schools. Uh, and I also worked very briefly um, in a corporate training situation as well. Uh, And then we became parents at fast forward speed. So, you know, uh, my husband and I had twins. And then three years later, we had another singleton. Um, And we sort of stumbled upon homeschooling. Um, We did not intend to take that route. Um, You know, I'm very passionate about education. Um, And at the time, I was very passionate about schooling specifically. but a lot of things changed when I had my own children versus being a teacher in a classroom. And, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit. Um, 
But after I had children, I sort of fell upon the way of unschooling. Um, unschooling is a term that I hate, but I use more than any other term. <laughs> but what it's else such can a, you say? It's such a reactionary term to the school concept. And really, it's this, it's this idea of self-direction, which I'm very passionate about now in my life, uh, now that I have children. And after I started um, unschooling or following this path of child-led learning, I decided to go back uh, and get my doctorate because there's not a lot of research. There's some research, but there's not a ton of research, uh, you know, to convince the the Asian-American tiger mom culture of the benefits of these ways. Um, <laughs> so I actually thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my doctorate. And I'm going to produce research um, that substantiates what I'm seeing at home with my children. Um, and that kind of leads me to where I am today. Which is um, like one of the gurus of unschooling in the Muslim community, for us at least. Um, I remember like when the, because t- your twins and my oldest are the same age. They're a couple of months apart. And um, I remember when we both started worrying about schooling the kids or when I was worried I was asking you what you were doing and the whole unschooling situation was like I I didn't understand it so even though you hate the term maybe you could break down a little bit about what unschooling child-led learning self-direction what does that mean for all the parents with their jaws like open right now well let's begin by the statement that education is something very different than schooling those are two different terms right and we as a as a Western culture, as Americans, uh, we sort of equate the two in our minds. Um, education means schooling. And, and by that, I mean all of the cultural constructs of schooling are what we think are necessary for education, right? So when we think about that, that means there needs to be a curriculum, there needs to be standards, there need to be other children, there needs to be a teacher. And, uh, just to put it quite bluntly, there needs to be a box. And that needs to be the school, the, f- the physical f- building itself. Unschooling is this sort of idea that we're taking a different look at education. We are, um, we're not following what is considered uh, to be like contemporary ideas of, of schooling. So for example, we don't follow standards. We don't follow those, those guidelines, those state and national guidelines, where a big group of people, and I've, and I've been in a mock version of one of these meetings, but a big group of people sit in a room, and they kind of decide, this is what is important for kindergartners to know. This is what's important for first graders to know. Um, we don't follow the, the guidelines that that big group sets. Um, and I would even further question and say, who decides that they get to decide what my child needs to know. Um, Unschooling doesn't follow a set curriculum. Now, having said that, my children do follow some curriculum, but it's not everything. It's not all subjects. And the most important element of unschooling is that it's non-coercive. So whatever my children are doing, they have the option to say no. They have the option to opt out. Uh, and, and we can get into more specifics about what this means, because I think this is where most parents have the most confusion. You know, there's this idea that unschooling basically means you unparent, you let children do whatever they want. 
And this, I would say, is probably the biggest misconception. Unschooling actually is, there's a form of unschooling that is radical. Um, I don't speak to that, and I'm very vocal and public about not speaking to radical unschooling. I don't say yay or nay uh, when it comes to radical unschooling. It's not what I do. Um, it's also not what I find to be researched um, as beneficial. But but I'm not going to say yay or nay because I've seen radical unschoolers um, go on to do amazing things. But the kind of unschooling that I'm talking about is is this pure idea of giving children more control over their lives and also over what they're learning. And that by doing that, they will still learn, which is, I think, the, you know, the miracle that we doubt. But without our control and without our pushing, uh, children will still learn. Um, and in the process, by choosing what they're learning and by choosing what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, it, it just sort of inculcates all these qualities that we want for our children. You know, we want them to grow up to be these individuals in society who can, who can be the change makers, who can, who, to be quite honest, who can save us for all of the mistakes that we've made and that we're still making, right? We want these children to be proactive uh, participants in the communities that they're living in. And we want them to be healthy and we want them to, you know, be able to, you know, support themselves and all of these things that parents want, right? But nobody wants a child who doesn't know how to think for themselves. Nobody wants a child who can't do anything without being told what they need to do. And increasingly from my peers who are now often teaching, you know, at the college level, this is what they're finding. They're finding that children who are coming I should say children, but adults now who are entering college are no longer college ready, what they consider college ready. You know, it's it's like glorified children almost. Um, yeah. And, and I think that that's a product of the schooling that they've had for several years. Yeah. Sorry, that was because a really long answer. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just important for people who don't have a background in it and have never been exposed to it because, you know, as parents, just huge for us. I would say, you know, pretty much as soon as my kid was born, I was thinking about how is he going to be competitive? How is he going to be conscientious? How am I going to teach him everything that's going to make him successful? Right. And what's the right way and what's the wrong way? And I think one of the lessons that I learned pretty late in motherhood is that there's no right way. You know, exactly. the right way is what works for your family. Exactly. Um, you know, for, and that's for everything. But when it comes to education, there are things that I'm realizing now as an adult, and maybe it's because of what's going on in the world right now, in our country right now, that I'm like, who is setting the standards for what is competitive and for what's successful? You know, because when we grew up, it was just kind of told to us, you go to school, you get a job. These are the jobs that you get so that you'll be successful. So it was like three tracks that you could go on, right? You I know what those jobs are. <laughs> yes, exactly. So for me, it was kind of like the tiger parenting situation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if your parents were like that, but, you know, I, I, I wanted to never do that to my kids yes. and put that pressure on them. 
Um, because when my son asks me now as an 11 year old, I mean, what should I grow up and, and do with my life? What should I be? Mm-hmm. First of all, I think it's kind of early for you to be thinking about that bro, because that should change, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't want you to be like me who from the day I came home from the hospital, I knew what I was going to be. Cause somebody told me that was what I was going to be. I right. want you to actually want it. Right. And then my answer to him is kind of like the three H's, like whatever you do, I want you to work hard. I want it to be halal or only from um, permitted sources so that you're not earning money in sin. And then three, I want you to be happy doing it. You know, I don't want you to do a career or live a a lifestyle unless you're happy. And I don't want you to do it to please me. I want you to do it to please Allah. You know, that's kind of the three H's that I'm working on. But then what is the path, you know, (laughs) what is the path that you're going to take? Because we've tried Montessori, which was mind blowing for me. What do you mean? The kids are going to do whatever they want to do. Like, I don't understand this. (laughs) This doesn't make sense. (laughs) So that was my first introduction. So then, okay, obviously I take him out. I put him into a traditional charter school where every day my little preschooler, kindergartner and I are crying, doing homework. You know, and I was like, this is wrong. I don't know why, but this is really wrong because I don't remember having homework until like maybe sixth or seventh grade. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the public school system. Um, and then we went to public school after that because I was like anti-homework. My kid's going to play. I don't care. Yeah. Um, so we did that. But, you know, I see um, how he's like asking me, what should I do? Right. You know, and the lack of common sense, it's like everything that he had learned in Montessori got beat out of him in the last five years. You know, my four-year-old is about to start that. So I'm like, is there something that I can do differently so that my four-year-old doesn't end up like my 11-year-old? Well, it's interesting. You know, your story is indicative of so many stories that I hear constantly. And there's two things that come to mind. One is, you know, when you have a child that's gone through the school, the schooling system for so uh-huh. long. They're, cer- they're used to a certain paradigm, right? Uh-huh. And uh, it's sort of like uh, they've, they've created patterns inside of themselves where, where and this speaks to a larger problem that we have, I think, in, in Western society, which is we, we sort of live this, these two separate but parallel worlds with children. You know, if you look at other cultures around the world, and if you even look at Muslim culture, um, it's based on the community, right? It's based on right. communal living. The village. The village. Mm-hmm. And children are not separate from adults in the village, right? There's there's right. Um, immersion that's happening, there, right? But in Western society, we've sort of been conditioned to think, no, children need to be removed from their homes, um, and they need to live in the, the child world, Right. And what happens mm-hmm. in, in the child world? Well, there's a grown up who tells children what to do. Right. We have the power. We have the authority. We have the wisdom. And we are in a position over you. And we're going to tell you what to do. Right. Right. And it's not just our schools. I mean, this is really our entire culture. This is this is our household. This too. is our households. Right. We we, <laughs> yeah. we we mirror the school paradigm beautifully. You know, we we mm-hmm. set it up for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And. And there's so many challenges that come with setting up this paradigm. But part of it is, um, like you mentioned, you know, children who don't know what to do anymore without being told, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as well as children who sort of, who who this paradigm doesn't fit with, 
which I would argue is really most children, right? And these children become frustrated and they become hyper stressed out. You know, we have a situation. So much ADHD. So much chronic stress and anxiety for children. And and we're seeing the effects of that, right? Part of that is because we have uh, taken away all of their power, all, all of their God-given Autonomy. power. Yes. Um, and so I think that's that speaks to what I think a lot of parents go through. You know, I mean, I hear this all the time as, as somebody who uh, has always advocated unschooling, but I've kind of been in the closet a little bit in terms of how vocal yeah, I've Yeah, for like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I, I believe strongly. We that... all knew you were doing it, but it's like, talk about it. Tell us how I to know, do this. I know. You know, the thing is, I, I, I didn't want to come in and say, this is a path that everybody must follow. This is a, right. this is a one size fits all. And in my trying to be respectful, I realized what I was doing was I was doing a disservice to all of these mothers who have been uh, following me for all these years and and asking me and turning to me. I realized I'm not being completely honest uh, because to be perfectly, you know, uh, uh, upfront, I feel like this is the solution, regardless of where you choose to have your child educated, whether or not you choose to have them put in a traditional school or not, um, whether you choose to do some form of home education, even if it's a more traditional form of, of home education. Um, you know, I don't like to use the word homeschool. <laughs> but, right, right. Yeah. But I, I do believe that this philosophy, it reshapes how we are with our children, within our homes. Um, and I think it's the key to everything. I, I, I really believe strongly this is the answer to a lot of the, the angst that we're having with our children these days. This religion encouraged creative thought. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, um, I did some research on the early madrasas, right? And this whole yeah. idea of schooling throughout time, throughout cultures. And the idea behind the madrasa, even though this term has been completely hijacked, right? It's such an amazing, it's such an amazing construct. And it is nothing like what we think of when we, when we think of school, right? Because our idea is filled with this Western notion of school. And Western, Western uh, schools were created um, whether you go back to the Industrial Revolution, whether you go back to the, the early 1600s where schools actually originated, where public schooling actually was mandated, it, it mm-hmm. came about because of the influx in response to the influx of, uh, you know, this, this mass migration of Irish Catholics, right? And there was this mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. of we In the United need, States, at least. In yeah. the United States. And we need, there was this idea that we need to standardize something, right? So there was this idea of we need to create a pattern of of a, of a person, right? Mm-hmm. And that pattern was somebody who was Protestant, right? Somebody who was not Catholic. That was the idea that they wanted perpetuated, right? Later on, it became, we need to perpetuate this idea of a worker. And that those were the ideas that were perpetuated. But schooling, traditional schooling in the United States has really always been about the powers that be creating a version of a human that they wanted to suit their own purpose. We've just kind of gone along with it because, you know, we've, we've lost touch. We with didn't it. know any better. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know why this 
came about. You know, if I make you do something, which up until now, I have kind of hung my hat on, you're going to be a Hafiz, because that was something I wasn't able to do, Mm -hmm. because my dad wanted me to be a doctor, which was something he was not able to do. So we're (laughs) passing our dreams onto our kids and trying to live vicariously through them. But I'm like, if we're trying to do that, I feel like first, it's a lot of ingratitude to Allah subhanahu wa Mm ta'ala. And then second, is it if we're not doing it for the sake of Allah, then doesn't it become shirk? And aren't we perpetuating that? You know, so that, those yeah. are some of the concerns that, that I'm coming up with. And it's like, how do you break that cycle? One of the things that I like to do is I like to start at the center, you know, with families themselves. And if you look at the sunnah of the Prophet, it's, it's, always, it's always the most beautiful example. No matter what I've studied, I always feel like, when I go to the Sunnah, it is like the most beautiful example of everything that I've learned, right? Everything that science sort of figures <laughs> out. Um, uh-huh. And when we look at how the Prophet interacted with children, there's a few things that you notice. First and foremost, he speaks to children. There's a sense of respect that he gives. You know, there's, there's never an instance where we have an example of him turning a child away so that he could make way for more important grown-up talk. There's no, I've never read any story like that, right? He catered to children and he spoke to them on his level. You know, there's a story, I don't remember the whole story, but there was a story about the little boy and the bird. Adults, the adult world is more important than the child world. This is what we believe and this is what we practice, right? And this is not what the process did. Um, Right. And I think even just this little change, right? This idea of, you know, I, I'm going to start deconstructing these two parallel worlds uh, and make them into one world where I give value to you. And, you know, it's interesting because when I had children, um, I made this dua. I used to make this dua all the time. You know, I'm like a huge dua fanatic, okay? And <laughs> I'm a huge fan of making <laughs> They dua. work. I highly recommend it. <laughs> But there was a dua specifically that I used to make all the time. Uh-huh. And subhanAllah, it was, it's like one of those duas, you see it answered over and over and over again. And every time it, it reaffirms your your trust in Allah. There was a dua that I made where I asked Allah to make my children my leaders and to bring me back to the straight path. It was like oh. this idea of... of I am submitting myself in humility to the greatness that's going to come from them. And I need you to make that happen a lot, <laughs> right? And I'll tell you what, there's been so many times where they have, you know, for lack of a better expression, they have schooled me, you know? Yeah. They have taught me. Um, and because I know that I asked for this, when it happened, I have humility because I know this came yeah. from a Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was Allah's blessing on me that He blessed me to make that dua, because had I not made that dua, it's very likely that when they school me, I would fill with arrogance, right? And I would fill mm-hmm. with this sense of, "Hey, how dare you? I'm the parent. Yeah. My world is more important than your world. This is the world of knowing, and your world is the world of unknowing." In this case, it sounds like your kids educated you and didn't school you. Uh, let's bring it That's back. That's true education, <laughs> <They> right? educated <laughs> me. 
<laughs> educated it doesn't quite fully. have the same ring to it, but we'll we'll go with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just um, I've been just dump diving into all this research, and I'm I'm with you. It's like everything that I know about being an adult is like being broken down Mm -hmm. and it turns out me and my know-it-all you know I know better than you I have to set things up for you so that you can succeed because that's what was done for me it it does come from a place of arrogance it comes from a place of fear because Mm -hmm. if I don't do it what's going to happen who's going to do it for you Absolutely. You know, and I we totally forget that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who provides. Yes. You know, it's not us. We are just tools in his plan. I know you didn't want to answer this question. Tell us about education timelines. Like, what's the right time to start, you know, education for a kid if we're not going to use the Western construct? Right. And then where does Quranic Islamic education fall on that timeline? So with respect to timelines... I like to talk about this, but not in a very specific way. I think I think that we are so overly concerned with timelines. The West is governed by the the ideals of capitalism, um, and they are informed by this notion of time is money, and mm-hmm. things we we need to put a timeline on things. We need to be able to measure things. Um, one of my biggest angst, you know, just sidebar, one of my biggest angst is when uh, business gurus get involved with education. I know mm-hmm. the, the general public loves that, um, but these are not people who understand human development. Uh, they understand commodities, and children are not commodities. So that's a sidebar issue. For anyone. No, it's really not. It's kind of like, you know, the same place where we think a businessman is fit to lead a country right and run politics it <laughs> we doesn't know, work we know, we know well that's working out right <laughs> yes um, exactly but but you know the, the deal is that education is a is an issue of human being so this idea of timeline i i hate to talk specifics unless it's to throw out the very uh, extreme cases where it can become a concern again this goes back to us you know, wanting to exert our power and our control, that we want things to happen on our timeline. And that's not the way human beings develop. Now, as adults, we know this beyond a shadow of a doubt with respect to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody going to force me to do what they want me to do (laughs) on their timeline. No, thank you, my friend, right? That's not going to happen, right? I need to be ready. I need to be in a place and I need to choose it. We take this without a second thought when it comes to ourselves. But when it comes to our children, we believe in this parallel universe. And in the child world, they need to have us push them. Otherwise, they won't progress. Right? Right. Okay, so that's speaking to timelines. Let's tie that into uh, Islamic education, which tends to follow a much more seemingly traditional path. You know, my mother was a strong force uh, Rahimahullah at the time um, in wanting my children to start early but my mom would whisper you know she would say mm-hmm. you know Beda when are they going to start when are they going to start I can pick them up I can take them um, and I was very hesitant to have them start formal Quran schooling um, mm-hmm. my reasoning was well I, I, I had not put two and two together but I, I had had some discomfort I don't want to say trauma but I had had some discomfort uh, with my own Quranic mm-hmm. studies when I was a child. I, I'd started at the age of three as well, Pakistan, uh, on, mm-hmm. on our summer vacations. Uh, but um, 
the perfect time to be oh, yes. on his summer vacation, guys. <laughs> Those were no, the we're best. totally kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> the best childhood memories, let me tell you. <laughs> but, you There's know, no was, AC. I have to read for all day. <laughs> I was, you know, I was the baby, so I kind of got, I kind of got, you know, brushed along with a bunch of other people, um, uh-huh. and I wasn't ready. And I just remember having severe separation anxiety uh, with my mother, and I used to cry please, please, mm-hmm. please don't put me in this class. I want to stay with you. I don't want to be here. Um, mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to do that for my children. You know, we talk about the things that we bring. This was something that I brought. And that's um, so why I, I delayed it. I delayed it for a long time. And I took a different approach, which was, which is the opposite of how I think, you know, and you spoke to it a little bit, but a, 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 the opposite of how we tend to, uh, tackle Quranic studies because we do it from uh, the extrinsic reward system and yes. I decided okay well I'm going to do it intrinsically I'm going to build a strong relationship and a strong consciousness of Allah and I'm going to build uh, a positive association with the recitation of the Quran and that's kind of where I started from so mm-hmm. my children did not go to a formal Sunday school early on I had this belief that that Sunday school can can be a great thing, but it can also mm-hmm. serve as a band aid for a much deeper wound. And it can also turn people away from Islam, well, just historically and from nother, personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other topic. But I just thought, yeah. you know, this could be very surface level. And yeah. if there's a wound in my family, if there's a wound, if there's something broken inside of myself, I want to spend mm-hmm. some time addressing that and I, I you know at the time I used to speak to this a lot I haven't spoken about it uh, as much lately but there's this there's this fear that parents have especially mothers that I need to get the ball rolling on my child even though I know that I am broken even though I know that my relationship with Allah is not good right mm-hmm. um, I can't I can't afford to wait until my relationship is good to impart that on my children. I'm losing precious time here, right? Yeah. And what happens is we, we pour so much of our energy and our focus onto our children that we never heal ourselves, right? And yeah. I really, you know, in my heart of hearts, I, I stem from this idea of fill your own cup. Put your own oxygen mask on first. And in the early years, those prime years when, you know, children should be starting hifs and you know going to the hafizab on the weekend um i really invested a lot of time in myself uh getting myself you know to a place where i had a relationship with the law you know because to be honest i had no relationship with the law before um yeah i was in a place i think where... that's a natural product of being a mom and being stuck in the throes of mom like that takes a back burner, Absolutely. your spiritual relationship. Absolutely. You know, you tend to not have hushu and stuff. So I think that's a common problem that we don't even have a name for. And right? I think I think there's something to be said also about this idea of, of, you know, again, the child world is not separate from our world, right? Um, we we live in a collaborative, shared space, and while you need to to become educated, so do I. And while you need to learn, so do I. And while you need to progress down this path, so do I. Um, and I, and I, I much prefer the model of let's do this together, right? 
Um, when it comes to traditional studies, I'm not opposed to that. Um, I think that there is a time and a place where that model can even be more beneficial. The key to unschooling, this philosophy, right, is that there is no coercion. And I'm going to give you an example, okay? Uh, let's pretend that there's a mom and she's just for the sake of hypothetical, whatever. Let's say she wants her son to be a hafiz, right? There's three styles of parenting, okay? There's authoritative, there's authoritarian, and then there's permissive. Most parents will find themselves as one of two extremes because we tend to be a culture that polarizes these days. We don't, we don't find the middle ground, right? So let's start with the extreme permissiveness. This is where you say, you know what, Beta, you do whatever you feel like doing. If you want to do it, go ahead. If you don't want to do it, it's your prerogative. I have nothing to say about the matter. People think that that is unschooling. That's actually not unschooling. That's called permissive parenting. On the flip mm -hmm. side, there's the more extreme. You are going to memorize this juz no matter what. Right? I will not give you food. <laughs> I will. You are not going to get dinner. I am going to Not an actual threat I've used. Absolutely. Right? This is complete yeah. like coercion. Right? Yes. Um, yes. Without a shadow of a doubt, we know that this is not the way. Although I think many of us do default to this out of frustration and stress and anxiety. Right? Because this really comes down to this power struggle between child and adult. Right? And mm -hmm. we are constantly trying to maintain our power, our, our authority, our control over our children, which pushes us to an even more extreme and makes us even more authoritarian, right? Yeah. So where is the middle ground? And we all know that Islam is usually in the middle ground, right? In the path of moderation. The path of moderation says, I'm going to apply limits I'm going to impose boundaries, but I'm going to do it with understanding, with love, and with compassion. What if we do this? Is there another time of day that would be more effective for you to sit and to do your hips? Is there, is there another way we could do this? Um, would you feel better doing it after we did X, Y, Z? How do you feel about it, right? You talk to the child. You, you're validating him, right? Like the story of the bird. There is a sense of we are in this together and I'm collaborating with you and I am here to help you through this, right? I can still impose limits, but do it with compassion. And that makes all the world of difference. And that to me is unschooling. Unschooling to me is a values-based values. approach. And you know, I was, it is I was not uh, lazy. I'm gonna do a it plug for my friend Carrie. Do whatever you want. It is a values-based called unschooling. The difference and she interviewed between, me for a section the difference between on uh, family values. Versus and I talk about how to, you know, there's this idea that you cannot be a family of faith right? and be unschooled. Right? It's not typically found. But but I I find that really interesting because it's an absolutely values-based form of education, right? You can absolutely impose your values, uh, impose limits, but you can do it with kindness and with compassion. And you can negotiate it with them, right? Once you, once you kill this power structure, this power paradigm, where you hold all the power and, and they are just, you know, grasping at the bits. Once you get rid of that paradigm, there is a lot more negotiation. It's a much more um, egalitarian relationship. And this is where the beauty of the transformation happens within your home. 
You know, it's like we want our children to be respectful and we want them to be um, all these really great things. And it happens once you start giving them the respect, you know, that you've been sort of withholding in this power paradigm. When you're talking about transforming your household through improving this relationship where the children are allowed to be leaders. And if they don't start doing that at home, they're certainly not going to do it outside of the Absolutely. Home. Absolutely. This is the place yeah. where they begin. I'm really happy to be at this point and really, really happy um, that I'm I'm learning. Like, I'm reading that Unschooled book by Carrie McDonald right now. And awesome. I'm, I'm feeling so much smarter because it's like, <laughs> man, I didn't know what I didn't know. So besides that book, what other resources can you recommend for those of us who are not happy with traditional schooling and maybe are looking for alternative education or, right. um, you know, other other ways to educate our children? Um, there are several books. If you do a quick Google search, um, there are several books. Um, Unschooled Beyond a Shadow of a Dad is the one that I would recommend the most. Um, not just because she's my friend, not just because I'm quoted in it, but but really it's, it is yes. the best uh, comprehensive text, I think, written from an academic uh, perspective. Um, so definitely I would recommend mm-hmm. that. And it's not dry and very, oh, like, no. you know, textbookish. It's a very easy, yeah, easy read. Yeah, it's a very easy yeah. read. To be totally honest with you, okay, as somebody who has sort of been down this journey myself, um, there's a lot that you can read and that you can learn. But the real difficulty um, with sorting out this philosophy is the extreme mental and emotional ups and downs that you will go through. Because this is the kind of thing that once you – once you start subscribing to this kind of thinking, it really breaks down so much of the way we thought um, and, and limiting beliefs that we have held on to that have been ingrained in us since we were wee high, right? Um, the most important thing, I think, is to really reach out in your local community and to find other people who sort of share this journey and, and are doing it. Um, you know, you mentioned the course that I'm doing. And I'm so cognizant of this being more than just a course. Um, it's it's unlike any other course that I've created. It's not just a course. It's really, it's not like the reboot. It, it has a huge, it has a huge group okay. component. Uh, we're going to be together and we're going to be together okay. for a few months, um, five months actually. Um, I, I am committing the next five months of my life to this being well, maybe not my top priority, but after the children. <laughs> after the children. After okay, the children, fine. Uh, this is going to be my top priority. I am giving of myself a lot of time um, because that is going to be what is required. Um, you're going to need somebody who's been there, who's done that. You know, I say the number one thing that you need when you start the path of uh, home education. But in this case, even if you're not choosing to home educate, you're just trying to change your family dynamic. Um, while your children still continue to go to school, the number one thing that you need is mentorship. You need somebody who's going to be there while you go through the ups and the downs because this road is filled with ups and downs. And the good news is the more you do it, the more you see the results and the, the miracle that happens um, and the easier it becomes. But in the beginning, it's quite difficult. It's, it's always difficult you know, when you're traveling a path that is not well followed. Um, and so I, I would say the biggest thing, you know, for me would be to create a support system. If anybody's interested in taking the course, they can follow me on social media. I'm talking about it nonstop these days. So there's lots of ways to learn more about it. 
Um, but hopefully... I'll put your links up on the show notes so people can find okay, them. Okay, awesome, awesome. So in this course, what I'm hoping to do is to create sort of an A to Z step-by-step guide. Um, it's going to take you through everything that you need to know um, to get started and to continue going. Um, we're going to spell out exactly what unschooling looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like. Um, and I think this is where there is a lot of confusion um, because it's unfamiliar to us. We've never done this before. Um, so, so it will definitely be a comprehensive how-to guide. Uh, but it will also cover a lot of the myths and misconceptions. I want everybody who takes that course to be able to walk away and be an ambassador for unschooling. This is big for me because when you choose a path that is less followed, you're going to get questioned about it a lot, right? Um, you're going to have to answer to a lot of people about this very untraditional thing that you're doing. And they want you to feel as though you are fully grounded in the research and in the thinking and the philosophy behind this. Um, so you will definitely get the condensed Cliff Notes version of um, why this is more um, developmentally, developmentally sound uh, for our children. Um, I, I want to give as many case studies as possible. I want to I bring up as many stories as I can of people who have done this what it looked like in their home, and also how it resulted. You know, there's, there's, I know a lot of question marks about whether or not our children will be able to do X, Y, Z if they, if they follow this path. Um, so we'll definitely give a lot of examples of, of kids, um, adults who've been there, done that. And then I think for me, you know, I mentioned before, the biggest part for me that I'm, I'm really excited about is the group support group dynamic where we will essentially stay together for five months and we will become quite close on this journey. To be, to be totally honest, I was a little selfish when I created this and I, I felt the need to you know, kind of have like a pick-me-up group for myself. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and even I wanted the support. Even I wanted, you know, I wanted my peace. Like-minded individuals. Yeah, I wanted like-minded yeah. individuals and, and yeah. it's hard to come by. And so I thought, you know what? If I build it, <laughs> they will come. The more I'm researching, I find that there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way, where we're, they're also dissatisfied with the way our kids are being educated. And I feel like they're all going to come out of the cracks and come out of hiding and be like in this group. So I'm super excited to I'm, meet them all. I am super excited to do. You know, I thought I thought this would be just for people who have children that they want to home educate, you know, and fully submerse themselves in the unschooling mm -hmm. philosophy. And I was, I am blown away at the kinds of responses that I'm getting. I mean, I have people that are like, I don't have children. <laughs> I don't have plans oh. on having children, but I just love this thinking and I want to take this course. Are they a lot of teachers who are kind of burned out with all the common core and standards? Oh, absolutely, and all the absolutely, absolutely. Bureaucracy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, perfect. Uh, that's that's amazing. I would say I would say unschooling is really filled with a lot of teachers turned, you know, home education advocates. Um, right. I think we're just kind of telling, but yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see the group. It's not working. Out. No, it's not working. Yeah, it's not working. And you yeah. know, as much as I am really an advocate of free democratized education uh, for all and having access to free education for all. Um, how can I take a risk with my own children? You know, I, I just can't right. do that. You wouldn't be a true educator. So 
I am so happy and so thrilled that you shared this time and this expertise and gave us quite a teaser about your class. Um, I'm totally biased and going to be taking it <laughs> and I'm going to plug it because I don't care and it has nothing to do with you being my friend. Again, it's like, it's my kid. So I know, it's, like, exactly. it's really important to me, you know, and so if I'm doing it, I hope that other people, you know, expand, even if you're going to keep your kid within the four walls yes. of a school, like just take the course so that you can learn about, you know, we talk a lot on this show about body autonomy for kids, mm -hmm. but what's really important to me more and more is teaching my kids to have autonomy in their thinking, yes. um, autonomy in their practice, where, you know, well, to an extent, you know, I do set the limit where you will be Muslim, yeah. you know, but even <laughs> that I'm questioning because I'm like, you know, we how do I make side. it to where they want to be Muslim, you we know, like I want them to be Muslim. Because, you know, I know, right? There is yeah. no compulsion. Even, even in religion, there is no compulsion. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, there shouldn't be. I can't wait to get updates about the course and have you back on the show just to, to keep enlightening us because I think that's what you've brought online to a lot of households. And I am just so proud Aww. of my Syrah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again for joining Zeba and Osman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show, as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice, because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Oh,